welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the CC Football Podcast. Craig, what's happening? Not much. I'm um, we're we're recording mid game week here, so I'm <clears throat> trying to multitask following this Leicester Newcastle game, which seems to be a blowout. Um, yeah, four zero currently. Ninetieth minute, Leicester's up four zero. And Newcastle look to be taking in another loss on their way towards the championship. And then another game that's going on right now is the West Ham-Burnley game. And looks like Burnley might be pulling a Burnley and stealing a nil-nil draw against one of the top four clubs currently. Yeah, so I um, um, I backed Burnley this week. I thought that I thought they might get something, so I'm happy to see that. Although I love West Ham. Oh, you Craig, guess what I was doing this morning? What? I was watching the, the Formula One. Final oh, did drive. you? Dude, it was insane. Nuts. Have you been following that at all? I've, I haven't been watching, but I've been trying to keep up with it. Yeah, so like Hamilton and Verstappen were tied going into right. this last race. And, you know, like Hamilton and Mercedes have have, have dominated the last few years, yeah. right? And Verstappen is the, the new guy on the block. And he had pole position. And then on the first lap, um, Hamilton took the lead and was leading by like, 12 seconds towards the end of the race and then five laps to go there was a crash and then there so then there was a safety car that bunched all the people together and then verstappen pitted and got like new tires and hamilton didn't because he didn't want to lose the lead and then uh controversially though like the race stewards they let all of the lapped cars in between hamilton and verstappen go through so it was only them two and then verstappen passed him on the final lap of the race to win the championship. Yeah, so. I saw I <clears throat> not going to how that works, but there seems to be a lot of um controversy. Yeah, it was controversial and very but very very entertaining to watch. So, um yeah, I bet. So, have you if you haven't seen it, you should watch The Drive to Survive on on Netflix. That's, that's what that's about. what everyone's been telling me, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so let's focus on the sport that we're here to talk about. Um which is the good old footy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, Craig, I think we're going to bring back Who Am I today, right? Yeah, we are. And we're going to do a, a Christmas edition. So <clears throat> the player that you choose has to have both his first and last name start with a letter that's in the word Christmas. Yes. Ooh. Right now I'm ho, just ho, ho. checking my ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas. Uh, and, all right. and also, well, that's it, actually. Um, so what are we going to do? So what what are the rules again? Walk us through the rules. Yeah, so it's been a while since, we, um, since we've done this, but the, the rules are you get two guesses per clue, and the first clue is age, the second clue is position, the third clue is nationality, the fourth clue is jersey number, and the fifth clue is team. And... Remind me if I'm wrong, Craig, but we both give our clues at the same time, right? And then we are like, we give our clue, like we both give our clues, clue one, and then guess, and then uh, clue two is in guess. So we don't like each go. We, we've we've never done it before that way, but we can we can actually try that this time. We okay, usually just go that. one by one, but we can we can try it that way. Okay, yeah, let's try that. Let's try. It. So okay. Um, I guess, so that I guess it doesn't give as much of a disadvantage to the person going. Well, there's no no advantage to whoever goes first or last, right? So, um, yeah, let's start this off. Craig, you have your first guy pulled up, right? Yep. 
What's okay. my first clue that I have to give you? All right, who is he? What do you mean, who is he? <laughs> <laughs> no, what's his age? What's his age? Oh, age. I forgot about that. This man is 51 years old. 51 years old? Man, you gave me a an old an old player. Okay. Um, <laughs> now I got to think about... Okay, so his first and last name has to start with the letters C-H-R-I-S-T-M-A-S. Um, that's how it goes. Let me think. Uh, I'm just going to do Ashley Cole. Because I know we were talking about his other, the other Cole earlier. No, not Ashley Cole. Should we just do, um, what was I going to say? Should we just do like one guess? Yeah. It's hard, yeah, it's hard yeah. to generate names. Yeah, that's, I think that's good. All right, so my first player. And also you can pass if you can't think of a name with Christmas. That's okay. The categories. My first name is going to, or my first player, he's going to be 33 years old. 33? 33 years old. <clears throat> Uh-oh. I think I have a guess because I also thought of this player slash might have put him on my list. <laughs> oh, no. Is it Let's Sergio it. Aguero? Yes. Oh, <laughs> my God. That's Well, huge. that didn't work out as well as we thought. That is... Hey, I'm still going. This is a huge win for me. Yeah. Okay. Let's hear Six it. Six points Let's... on the board. Six points on the board for you. Uh, your next clue that you have to give to me is the position. He was a striker. 51-year-old striker. <clears throat> I was going to say uh, Van Persie, but I don't think he's that old. Um, and his name and doesn't his qualify. <laughs> Let's see. Um... Man, this is this is really tough. Um, oh, is it Alan Share? Oh, well done. Yeah. Wow. Okay, there we go. I did not expect you to get in the first two. Yeah. Well done. I was just trying to think of old strikers, and he's like the guy who scored the most goals, right? So yeah, uh, yeah. So all right, I li- do damage limitation there. Six points yeah. to five points to five. All right, well, I need we'll, to think of a. I need to think of a different person if we do it at the end, though, because I had I had a Guerrero. Oh, you did. Um, I, saw your, I saw your guy. Yeah, maybe it's a good thing though. Whew. I'm glad I picked Alan first and not Sergio. Yeah, it would have been funny if we both had the same person. <laughs> cool. Okay, what are we talking All right. about? All right, so yeah, since so last time we we uh, got together, we were. I think it was just before last weekend's games. And since then, there's been some interesting developments, you know. Uh, the first of which was a top four clash between West Ham and Chelsea. And we saw West Ham eke out a 3-2 win. And, Craig, that was a pretty big win for West Ham. You know, they had started to fall behind a little bit in terms of the, the top four standings. And as I say that, you know, they just dropped two more points um, versus... Is it over? Burnley. Yeah, they, they ended up drawing. So... Right now, they're currently eight points behind third place, Chelsea. So, yeah, that's, I mean, well, I mean, going back to the Chelsea game, that was huge. Yeah. Um, huge win for them. That's the thing is, you like, West Ham, they've beaten, I saw, they've beaten United this season. They've Not in the league, to be fair, but they've beaten United. They've beaten Chelsea. They've beaten Liverpool. They've beaten um, 
City, they've beaten like they've beaten all the big clubs <clears throat> this season, but they seem to be dropping points as they did today to some of the lower the lower teams. Um which is you know, I mean it's fine. They're not going for they're not going for the title, but if they want to finish top four, top six, um they're gonna to want to steal points from from all their games at least. And so, you know, a draw versus Burnley is not the worst result, but if we I mean, I'm trying to focus on whew, four zero. Jeez. Leicester Newcastle, man. I mean, um Newcastle are not looking good. But sorry, go back going back to um <laughs> going back to, to West Ham. Yeah, I, I think the win over Chelsea was huge. And I think that they're they're showing it's not it's not fluke anymore, right? Once they've done it, you know, they beat a big team once, you're like, oh, it's a fluke. They beat them twice, and you're like, okay, they had a good day. They've beaten every big team consistently. And they continue to do it. They have the not only the talent, but also the mentality. Um, yep. They fight to the very end, you know, similar to the Tottenham comeback last last year when they came back from three goals down in the last eight minutes. This was obviously different, but again, a late goal to win it. And obviously you can argue that the goal was very lucky, but, you know, <clears throat> if a team keeps doing it, then you yeah. got to give them credit. I mean, it was kind of a fluky goal, but, you know, Mendy had a terrible game, and I think that he's been well criticized for... For just reason, and he's ever since he came into Chelsea, he's been very, very uh, stable at the back. I would say, and he's been one of those rocks that have seen Chelsea up until the last couple weeks be so yeah. solid defensively, right? But this game, he had that one. He gave away the penalty, and then he, uh, I mean, was c- caught completely out of position on the on the winning goal. And, you know, we've started to see the Chelsea defense look a little, little bit suspect. Um, after they drew 1-1 versus United, they won 2-1 versus Watford. And then since then, they've they lost 3-2 in the game we just talked about. And then they tied 3-3 versus Zenit, albeit that game wasn't really that important to them in the Champions League because they already had secured progression. But then they, and then they won um, yesterday 3-2 versus leads in a controversial game that we'll get back to in a little bit but you know there's their defense which had been so solid up until this last week has started it's to fall shaky a little, yeah a little bit and you know i think that a lot of it does have to do with some of the injuries that they've started to to see going coming down through their team right so you have chillwell who's uh going to be out for a while so you have marcus alonso who i think is really good going forward but you know defensively he might be a little bit inferior to chillwell and then you have Conte and um, Kovacic, who have both been out. So you, you just started to see like Loftus Cheek and and um, Saul even being used now in the midfield. Yeah, and it's um, I don't know. It's just confusing because Chelsea. That's what they've under Tuchel. They've established since he's come in a strong, um a strong defensive identity and, and he's mixed players around before they've had injuries before. And regardless of who was playing, they've always been defensively solid. And so they're, they're going to be concerned and they're going to want to fix this because as, as I mean, a lot of people have noticed Chelsea, even though they've been dominant, they haven't been dominant from a scoring attacking perspective. Um, they yeah. haven't been creating too many chances and they haven't been clinical, super clinical as well. And so, um, you know, even yesterday they relied on two penalties to, um, to, to to beat Leeds, and Leeds, as we all know, is not having a great season. And so and I, w- I would say that a little bit of that is because of the 
Lukaku injury and it's taken him a lot longer than people anticipated initially to to get back into the team. Um, you know, he's been on the bench for um, a, a few weeks now, but hasn't been able to really to start yet. And and it's yep. really it's really showing that the the lack of that true finisher, that number nine up front to convert on the chances, especially when your team is for your own lofty standards struggling to create them. Yeah, I mean, and like, but like you said, he's he's back now, um, but he's still. I mean, he's sitting in the bench for some reason. So obviously, Tuchel's not ready to bring him back in, or he doesn't think. I don't know. Um, so I mean, it'll just be. I guess it'll just be interesting to see what what happens with them. But I think I think if Chelsea lose their defensive stability, that all of a sudden, out of nowhere, from being one of the most secure dominant teams, you know, they're very. Very iffy to win the title. I mean, I'm backing them to be, to win the title. You know this. Um, but if they lose their defensive stability, then, I mean, I'm not sure anymore because they can't compete with City and Liverpool as far as scoring goals and attacking threat. Or at least they haven't been able to in the last few weeks. Maybe right. if they bring Lukaku back in, they'll be able to establish that. But I think they need to focus on fixing their defense because with that fix, they look unbeatable. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But they can work Lukaku back into the team and retool their defense just my just a little bit you know that was a few uh, one or two weeks of letting in a few goals is nothing to to overreact to but it is a little bit of a warning shot you know to Chelsea especially on a year where you have three teams that are so good it could be a couple of weeks of slipping up that that determines the title at the end of the season right yeah and I will say it's not like they haven't been getting results other than that West Ham loss, you know. They they did end up winning the game versus Leeds yesterday. But before we talk about that, I guess we'll move on to talking about Wolves versus Liverpool. And, you know, Origi just doing Origi things. <laughs> um Yeah. What what else can we say about this man that we haven't said before? Yeah, so for you for those of you guys that didn't see, he scored a ninety-fourth minute winner to win one zero over Wolves. In a game, by the way, that I mean, it looked for all like what's the phrase? I don't know what phrase I'm trying to use, but it looked to be kind of all but secured. I mean, Wolves didn't look like they were gonna crack. Liverpool had um, they did have a couple good chances, like the Jota, the mix-up with Jota. Oh my god! And, yeah, uh, I can't remember who he clashed into. Um, there were Jota should have. I mean, he missed an open, an empty net and hit Connor Cody. But I mean, Wolves were defending brilliantly the whole game. They were <clears throat> an amazing unit, and they just didn't look like they were going. And and the one time that Liverpool did get through to an open goal, you know, Jota hit hit a player, and so it looked like things were going their way, even when they did, you know, make a slight mistake. And so. It, they they were so close to securing um, a very very well earned draw, um, but you know, cometh the the hour cometh Origi. Origi. Yeah, <laughs> um, I mean, I was I remember I was texting some of my fellow Liverpool friends and I was saying, wow, we're we're really gonna draw this game, and I was saying that around the 75th or 80th minute because you could just kind of feel you know how those are the type of games where you can kind of. Sometimes you can just kind of tell and you have a feeling that you that the game's going to end up being a tie and no one's going to be able to break through. And mm. to be fair, Wolves were not looking like they were going to break through. You know, they only had 33% possession and one shot on target the entire game. Yeah. Um, so it was really a question of whether Liverpool could finally 
get that one goal that would feel like it would be the winner. And I was I was resigning myself to the fact that that was not going to happen. And then Origi does what Origi does, you know. And I was saying that this is kind of – those are the type of games where, yeah, Liverpool were not at their best. Um, they had a couple of chances that they created, but they could have created more if they were at the top of their game. And, you know, Jota, I think, was pretty poor versus his former team, you know. To be fair, it, it is tough to always go back to your former club and, and put a top-class performance in. And he definitely should have scored that one open goal. That was pretty heartbreaking. But this is one of those games where, like, you know how we've always, we've said this a few times on the podcast, where the games that people win or the teams win where they really don't deserve to are, like, that's when, like, the championship quality teams, that they win the games that they shouldn't win. Yeah. This was one of those games, in my opinion. Um, I'm not saying that Liverpool will win the championship, but I mean, or will, will win the title, but I think that this is one of those games where it's in the makings of it, you know? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, yeah, like you said, that's one of my, one of my favorite things that I like to say is, you know, if a team, there's all these teams that are, you know, dominating like Liverpool have been, but in order to win the title, you need to win the games that, that you need to win dirty when you, when you don't expect to win, when you don't play well. And you, it's everyone else is going to say you get lucky, um, which you, you do is a thing. But you know the great teams always get the luckiest, and so it, I think it's good for Liverpool to get a win like this, rather than in addition to like the four o five zero wins that they've been getting. Right. Um, and same thing you can say about Chelsea from yesterday with Chelsea versus Leeds. Yeah, I mean um, that's the thing. All all three of the top three teams, even City, they only won off off a penalty also yesterday versus Wolves. So. Like all three of them have been making, or recently have won these really close games where, yeah, on another day could have dropped points. Yeah, and so should we? Oh, actually, we still need to talk about United Palace from last week, right? Right. Yeah. So you know, first game in charge for Ralph Ragnick. Ragnick. Um, Craig, <laughs> what are your thoughts on his first game in charge? And I guess we can also talk about the Norwich game as well. So United have. Two one nil victories in the league, and well, yeah, Craig, what are your f- thoughts on the first two games? I thought the first game was great against Palace for only having a couple days to prepare for it. United came out with intent, like all guns blazing. They were pressing. They were winning the ball back. They were when they had the ball, they were just going forward, attacking. At least for the first like hour of the game, um, and it was. I mean, it was it was fun to watch. It was very new. We haven't seen it in a while. And it was impressive to see how he changed the style just within two days. Um, and most importantly, more than anything else, defensively secure and came away with a 1-0 win. Or came away with a clean sheet, sorry. Um, which is huge for United this season because there's just not been many clean sheets. And so to get a clean sheet there, to get a clean sheet again yesterday against Norwich. So now we're three wins on the bounce in the league. Two clean sheets out of three. That None of those wins have been you know, pretty but we've gotten the win, gotten the job done. Um, and that's like, a, I think, a solid foundation to build on. Yesterday, I think, was the opposite of the Palace game where United, it was it was surprising because now he's had a whole week or more to prepare them. They've had rest because Champions League midweek, we played pretty much our academy. Um, and they didn't come out, I don't know, they were, it was just sloppy from United. They were, they didn't have any attacking intent. They weren't pressing when they did have the ball. It was just square backwards passes. 
Um, if anything, I would say that Norwich definitely deserved a point yesterday, and United didn't really deserve the win. But you know, it came down to, in in my opinion, by the way, that was a penalty. I don't know if um, more people seem to be focusing, obviously, on like the Chelsea game and other stuff. But um, Norwich were pretty angry about that penalty. I I don't know how it could have been overturned because um, I think it was Max Aaron's had his arm around Ronaldo's neck and. At the end of the day, you can never. We we have no idea how much he actually pulled because it's, you don't know how much force. You can't watch a video and see how much force he put. But if you have your arm around someone's neck and he and then you know you drag him and he falls, then you're kind of putting yourself in that position to yeah. to give away a penalty. But but realistically, Norwich deserved the point. Um, United made Norwich look you know much better than than they actually are as a team. And so I was I was surprised at that performance, but. See Ralph coming out and he's you know said it wasn't a good performance. He's very honest and clear with he doesn't get swayed just by results. He says this is we're doing this badly, we need to fix this. And so I mean listen, he's only been here for a week. And to start off with two clean sheets and two wins, I think that it's very, very necessary. So hopefully you can build on that. I agree. And you know, I guess uh two notches in the wind column is never a bad way to start, even if a couple even if they're not by the score lines that you would like to see or the performances that you would like to see um and especially speaking about the game yesterday for united you know it took once again some heroics from de gea to secure those three points like he was insane especially towards the end he made some great great saves as norwich were really pushing for the equalizer and ultimately fell short but craig how how good has fred been since uh since Ralph came in charge, he had that banging goal. And, <laughs> yeah, he's been. And then, yeah, he's, he uh, and the thing with Fred is that we've seen these moments before. He's been he was one of our most important players a couple of seasons ago. You know, and everyone was calling him Pastor Fred. He was you know bossing the midfield around, um, and he has seen a, uh, definitely a revitalization since even before actually even to Michael Carrick's last game. I think the Chelsea game. Um. Or that wasn't his last game. But even going back to the Chelsea game, when the 1-1 draw, I think Fred, he was good. He was kind of all over the place, making important tackles, making important passes. Um, the thing with Fred is that he's always prone to making mistakes as well. Like, he'll play a couple of stray passes and he'll, um, you know, make a couple of dribbles that he might, he, he might not be able to do. But at least in the last few games, he's done that. And then he's also... You know, he's gotten forward, he's he's been brave, he's taking shots, he's making key passes, he's getting into the box, and maybe this is the freedom that he's been able to get with Ralph Rennick to move up the pitch a little bit more, even though he's still playing two mid he's still playing the McFred combo that you know that everyone made fun of Ollie for playing. I think maybe he's given Fred a little bit more license to go up forward and get involved with the attack. Yeah. Um and I think it's it served him well. Uh yesterday I thought he was still, you know, he was still good. He didn't do anything crazy good. He he did give the ball away. He was a bit sloppy, but he, um, but he made a couple good passes. He had a couple uh, cool dribbles that I didn't know he had in his locker. Um, turned a couple players around. I was like, okay, Fred. Um, but yeah, I think probably the best player, our best player this season, and probably already a shoe in for player of the season for United is David de Gea. Like you said, he's been yeah. outstanding this season. And that's the sad part is that I remember the last couple of years when, you know, De Gea went from being arguably the best in the world to, well, he had a big drop. I think we can all, we can all um, agree on that. I always was hoping for him to, to get back up, um, you know, to establish. Yeah, I think he himself. has, he has for well, sure the, this year. Well, that's the thing is that every time I would hope that I would feel like, 
I would think about it, and I was like, realistically, I feel like there's only two ways for him to like get back up, like establish himself again. One is if United like win a lot of trophies, like for example, Allison Ederson. Yeah, um, you know what I mean. Establish a title-winning team, and that yeah. wasn't really a possibility in my mind. So the other option is the way he got to be one of the best in the world is by United having a shaky defense and having to rely on him <laughs> a lot, and he kind of him taking advantage of that opportunity. And um, that's not what you want, but he has taken advantage of that opportunity. Yeah, he's he saved us a lot of points already, and we're only halfway through the season. I, I mean, him that... and Ronaldo have. With one saving goals at the other end and one scoring clutch goals, whether it's penalties or or otherwise, have really been the story of this entire season. There's just moments. There's yeah. not really a... Um, I mean, I think that that's like what we've said a lot before is that United are filled with players that give moments, but collectively, as a whole right now, they're not provi- providing the whole experience or the whole game as a team. But yeah, and hopefully that'll change. Yeah, I mean, and, and I think that defensively, especially when they get... Varon back eventually. I'm not sure when that's going to be. Um, yeah, but that'll Hopefully be a, a, much, a much welcome, much much welcome return in the back line for for everybody. And and you know, to be fair, I think that it's going to take a little bit longer than we anticipated to see exactly who, in terms of personnel, Ralph will be preferring, especially because of the current injury situation um, at United. You know, if you look at the players who have picked up injuries and, and been out and or for some reason or another you have Lyndon Love, Verona, Pogba's going to be out for a while. Matic was apparently sick, so he's doubtful. Mata is sick. Cavani has been out in and out of the lineup all year. Juan Bissaka uh, has been in and out and then Martial, you know. So yeah. that's a pretty long list of players that would all except for I'd say Mata be in contention for a starting position in in this team, right? So um, he's kind of been kind of forced to pick players out of just based on who process of elimination by based on who is left rather than who we'd actually like to pick. So it'd be yeah, interesting to see fact, as, as, as the team gets healthier, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll be cool. Actually, that's a good point as well that, you know, we need to give him credit for the fact that he's gotten those two clean sheets with a completely makeshift defense. Yeah. Um, it's not our st- everyone would have wanted, you know, a starting defense at the beginning of the year would have been, you know, Maguire, Varane, Juan Bissaka, Luke Shaw. Now, Luke Shaw actually is, I think, fit um, back, but he hasn't had a great season. So Tellez is playing over him, which is, you know, that's fine. I'm all for whoever's playing better. But to have Tellez in, to have Dalo in, to have Bai or Lindelof in, in place of, you know, Varane, Shaw, Juan Bissaka and, and get the clean sheets, that's, that's really all that matters is just to get those clean sheets and get that confidence going. And if you look at um, one last thing, and then we can move on from United. But if you look at, let me pull up their next few games. So United's next. So we played Palace, and we played Young Boys, and we played Norwich, right? Um, our next yeah. games against Brentford, Brighton, Newcastle, Burnley, Wolves, Villa, um, and then West Ham, Burnley, Southampton, Leeds, Watford, and then it's not until March that we play City. And so there's okay, there's a couple, you know. I'm not saying those games are easy by any means. There's a couple of tricky games. We have Villa, we have Wolves, and West Ham. But even those aren't aren't until January. So the next like few games, Brentford, Brighton, Newcastle, Burnley. I mean, you'd really United have a chance to to come away with a lot of wins there. And so you Ralph, would expect four wins from four in those games. Uh yeah, I would hope for four wins out of four. I don't know what to expect, but yeah, I mean, he couldn't have come in at a better time 
if he had come in a few weeks ago, he would have had to face the City game, the Chelsea game, et cetera, et cetera. So maybe he's probably happy that they waited they waited <laughs> yeah, to sack all these. Um, so he, he can start is. off with a few wins. Yeah. Uh, let's move to midweek now. And I guess, so we saw the Champions League groups round out. And one of the biggest, biggest games in terms of just the size of the teams that were that were playing, and then also the implications was Bayern Barcelona because you know Barcelona had to win versus Bayern to progress, and that they did not. Didn't even they lost three zero? <laughs> yeah, now that we'll see Barcelona in the Europa League, which is a sentence that I never thought I would be saying. Um, <laughs> and yeah, this is, I mean, it's, it's their first time you know, in Barcelona. A- Long time, a long time, yeah. 15, First 17, time in a long, long time. And, Seventeen years, I think. Uh, Barcelona got their new, the new manager, uh, Javi. So, I mean, <laughs> Greg, what's up with them? Uh, I don't know. I mean, <clears throat> sometimes we feel bad as a United fan, but we've got a lot, of, a lot to be excited about right now with United with the new manager, hopefully a new. And and so do Barcelona fans, but unfortunately, it's not a good start um, to it's not a good start to his to his career or his stint as I, I, manager. I mean, to be fair though, he it's only not had, his fault. I think he was only in charge for one game of the Champions League group stage, and that was saying. that game. He was in a very tough situation. He was in a really really tough situation to be able to face or to need to face Bayern and and win. But I mean. It's really not looking good for Barcelona. Even I mean, even in La Liga, though, they haven't been great even even since Xavi's come in. I mean, they're eighth place, fifteen points behind Real Madrid or something right now. Yeah, yeah. Um. So and they were actually the gap was closer when Xavi first came in. And I'm not blaming him. He needs time to. The team's in shambles. The club's in shambles. They need to recover from losing Messi. They need to recover from their corruption and financial troubles. Um. They need to kind of build a new generation because they're... they need to be recovered from being bad. That's what they need to do. They just need to uh, yeah, be that's, better. That's that's one way to put it. But yeah, <laughs> interestingly, I saw this on Twitter. The last time Barcelona were in the Europa League was, um, I think it was like the, I want to say like 04 season or something like that. Um, and Messi joined the year after that. And then they haven't been in the Europa League since. And then the year after Messi left, they're back in the Europa League. So, you know, wow. just an interesting thing to point little, out. Another little nugget that speaks says greatness. Yeah. Um, they're struggling. Hey, maybe they'll win the Europa League this year. I mean, you've got to back them to win it. But do you? I don't know. <laughs> do you have to back them? I mean, in terms of the the size of the clubs they're going against, they're by far the, the biggest, the biggest team there. So... Even if you even if you look at the like the English teams that are in the Europa League this year, it's, it's not like you have the United that was yeah. in the Europa League last year or anything like that, right? That so, is true. yeah, and also um, Leicester have gone crashing out by the way, as we mentioned in Europa League, so they're going to be in the Conference League. Um, yeah, and while we're talking it's about the Conference League, it's been a pretty League, poor season for them. And while we're talking about the Conference League, um, this is not confirmed yet. So West Ham, they're topping their group by the way. They're going to go through good for them, good season for them. Um, in the Europa League, but in the Conference League, um, there's a very good chance that Tottenham Hotspurs will not be um, progressing to the next round because the situation is, is wild. This. The situation is this. They're currently in third place with seven points. 
Um, and first and second place are Ren and Vitesse with 11 and 10 points. Now, Ren and Tottenham have a game in hand because they were supposed to play the game, but because Tottenham's COVID situation, they weren't able to play the game. But with UEFA... So unfortunately, UEFA tried to organize some sort of postponing or some rescheduling, but they weren't able to come to a compromise with the clubs that worked for both of them. So basically, the game's not going to happen. They've handed over to the disciplinary board to decide the result of this game. And realistically, the result's either going to be a, a Ren win, right? Because it's Tottenham who's forfeiting, who has the COVID. Or a draw. Or a draw, in which both cases, Tottenham will still be third place. Vitesse and Ren qualify for the next round. Tottenham go crashing out of the Conference League. And they really can't have anything to complain about. They can't, you know, base it off of just this one game. They've, yeah, they've, they've not been bed. as good. They've not been as good as they should have been. Um, <laughs> and for all I mean, of them, like, hoping that yeah, this would crazy. be their first trophy, they're not even going to be progressing to the next round, which is... Well, I mean, this is really just speaks to the, the, the amount of, of gap between Tottenham and... Like the state, yeah, the state of the club of Tottenham versus the state of a club like the English teams in the Champions League right now. You know, you see Tottenham probably not going to progress in a group uh, that has Ren, Vitesse, and Mura. You know, we we even said that we had never heard of Mura before, like last week. <laughs> um, and then you have, on the other hand, you have Liverpool, who went undefeated, the first English team in Champions League history to take 18 points from all. Or to oh, go really? defeated and win all their games. Um, and yeah, wow. it was first time ever. Maybe that's um, why Klopp started all the big guns in the last game. He wanted, he wanted to win that. I, no, I don't have no idea, but you know, he he has some interesting decisions. But and that was a, <laughs> that was a hard group too. Everyone was saying that that was kind of the group of death that that one with Atleti, oh, yeah. Porto, and Milan. And and yeah, so um, they Speaking ended up winning. Yeah. Well, I was going to say that is definitely a difficult group, and Liverpool didn't make it look difficult because second place was seven points with Atletico, eleven points behind Liverpool with only six games. They've established they established a massive lead, so that's very impressive. Ajax did the same, by the way, and so did Bayern, and those were the only teams to to, to win all six of their games. But let's talk about this Atletico Porto game. Oh, I mean, that was crazy craziness, with, you know. With so everything on the line. Yeah, talk us through it. Yeah, because I actually didn't watch. Basically, it. I watched the highlights. So basically, they were playing each other, and whoever won had a very good chance with Milan losing, t- uh, or yeah, with Milan losing to Liverpool. Whoever won the Porto versus Atleti game had a very good chance of progressing to the next round. And right. so what happened here was Griezmann scores in the 56th minute to go up 1-0 for Atleti, and then all hell breaks loose. Um, you see a total of, I think there was, so there was three red cards on, um, in total on the pitch, but the referee also sent off like two or three play, uh, players or staff members from the other team's benches. <laughs> and like, he was just, I think that he was, Christmas he time. was handing out candy handing out or something. Yeah, it was Christmas. Yeah. Something like that because Carrasco got sent off. And then Correa got a yellow card because there was a little bit of a, a kerfuffle. Um, and then, you know, both these teams, they are experts in the dark arts, you know, especially Atleti, <laughs> experts in the dark arts. And so once they smelled blood in the water, they just started playing on this on this uh, referee's mind and manipulating him so much. And I think he, he got kind of sold into it because 
Um, after Atleti got the red card on Carrasco, you're like, okay, well, now they have uh, Porto has like almost 25 minutes to get an equalizer, and then who knows after that, um, a man up, and then only three minutes later they get their own red card. So then you have playing 10 v 10, and then there's another red card for Porto, and so it's the last 15 minutes are played. 10 v 9 and Atletico's favor. And then, um, yeah, so Atleti end up scoring two more goals um, in the 90th minute and go up 3 0. And then Porto, and, and then and then Porto gets another penalty in the 96th minute to end at 3 1. But it was the last 25 minutes of the game were just completely bonkers. Wow. So, yeah, all in all, uh, in classic Atletico Madrid fashion, it wasn't pretty, they but through. they they go through um, the other teams in the Champions League to progress from their groups. Unsurprisingly, I think this group was wrapped up going into the final day was City and PSG going through. And then you have Liverpool and Atletico going through. And then we have Ajax and Sporting going through. So Sporting goes through ahead of Dortmund. They both had nine points, but... Sporting wins on the tiebreaker. And then FC Sheriff's Cinderella dream kind of comes <laughs> to an end as Inter and Real Madrid will uh, progress in Group D. But, you know, FC Sheriff will be in the we will be in the Europa League. And they might win Barcelona. it. Yeah, with Barcelona. <laughs> um, so you have Bayern and Benfica progressing. And that's the group with Bayern and Dynamo Kiev, um, who finished in last place. And then Group F, we have United in Villarreal progressing and group G is Lille and Salzburg. And that's a really interesting group where, you know, at Sevilla who are historically pretty good in, in Europe, especially the Europa league are, yeah, I was going to say they're going uh, back home, going, going back to their home, going back to their home. And then lastly in group H, as they say, is uh, <laughs> Juventus and Chelsea progressing very comfortably. So um, it'll be interesting to see what happens tomorrow morning, I think is when the, the round of 16 draw is so oh is it tomorrow morning uh, yeah so but by the time our next our next episode is being recorded we can maybe do some predictions yeah it's interesting too that so psg is probably the only i i would like big team well psg and chelsea i guess that are second place um so that'll be interesting because you know uh, the draw takes place and so psg pretty much is going to be facing one of the one of the top dogs um in their in their next matches because of the way the draw t- happens and because they finished second place instead of first to Man City. Same with Chelsea. Well, I think that that's pretty, it's pretty equal. I mean, like, if you look at the teams, there are some really good teams that are in second place. You have PSG, Atletico, Inter, and, and Chelsea. Like, that's half of them. So, I don't that know. That is true. Um, yeah. It definitely, there definitely is an advantage to coming in first, which I'm happy that Liverpool did. I'm sure you're happy that United did as well. Um, yeah. Yeah, so let's move on to the games that happened this weekend. And starting off, we'll see Steven Gerrard returning to Liverpool. And albeit, he couldn't get the three points. So, no, uh, 1-0 Liverpool. They scored on a penalty um, and, I guess, managed to win at three points again. Um, and honestly, I think that Liverpool honestly could have had three or four goals this game. And it was just a fact that... They weren't clinical enough. Um, on another day, they this could have been a, as I said, three or four nil win. Not too much to say. Um, it was pretty nervy towards the end as Lil, as Villa were going after it and 
trying to chase the game and try to get that equalizer, but um, Allison did just enough, barely. I mean, some of his moments were pretty, pretty, pretty nerve wracking. Um, and we saw one interesting thing from Liverpool and Klopp was that he decided to rotate, do a little bit of rotation. And we haven't rotated that much recently, but um, Klopp opted to go with Oxlade Chamberlain in the false nine rather than Jota. Yeah, that was and interesting. It was interesting. And then he only lasted 60 minutes. I think he was pretty, he struggled to get in the game in a role that he's not the most proficient at and he's not naturally, he's not as experienced there. And so once Jota came on, um, I think that Liverpool looked a lot more attacking. And then only a few minutes later, uh, Salah scored the penalty. So he, I mean, once again, I think that, I think that Liverpool were pretty solid defensively, actually. Villa had no shots on target. And yeah, a win's a win. Got to move on. What do you say? <laughs> a win is a win. And that's, I, like I said, it's important for Liverpool to get these 1 0 wins as well. Yeah. Um, and looking ahead for them, uh, they have they played Newcastle on Thursday and then Tottenham on Sunday, so a couple of big games, uh, especially this weekend coming up for Liverpool. But you know, I, I, we were saying how they were flying and beating teams four zero and five one and stuff like that, and we did see it the last week they they eked out some close wins even in the in the Champions League they won two one and the, granted they had a lot of their backups in and stuff, but. Um, Good to see them be able to win the close games as well. Moving on, though, another close game was City 1-0 Wolves. And this was an interesting one as we City only scored off another penalty. So you saw all the, all the top three teams actually scored their winners on penalties um, this week, which was pretty interesting. But, man, Raul Jimenez was an idiot this game, huh? Oh, yeah. I mean... Yellow card, stupid tackle. Everyone makes tackles. That's fine. But when you're on a yellow card, you think that you're, you know, especially if it just happened 20 seconds ago, you think you're trying, you're doing everything you can to stay out of the referee's sight. You don't want to do anything to get in his, um, on his bad side. You just want to get on with the game, be safe. Um, but with the free kick that he gave away, he decides to 40 seconds later block it clearly. Standing in, and this was not something, you know, it wasn't a quick free kick that they were about to take or something, because this was like 40 seconds after it happened with the yellow card, everything. Still stands in front of them, sticks out his leg to block the pass. And yeah, I mean, you can't really. Yeah. You can only blame him. You only can blame him. And that was pretty stupid of him to to do that. And, you know, after the, I I thought that once that I saw him and I was sent off, that City were going to do what City do and when and capitalize and score four or five goals. But they did not, but they ended up getting the win. Um Craig, what are your thoughts on Jack Grealish so far at City? We've had um, about a few months of him. Um, First impressions. Average, I would say. I think he's had moments where he's shown I he I think he could have scored a couple times by the way yesterday. Um but I think he's had some moments where he's shown what he can do, but obviously he hasn't been able to. He hasn't been able to really come in and impress the the way you think you would have expected a hundred million pound signing to do. But it was always going to be tough in that team. Um, yeah. The sad part is you would have thought that, you know, that would be his chance. Um, with De Bruyne being injured, City having some other injuries the last few months, him being able to get into the team, but he hasn't been able to to get into the team. 
and consistently be a starter. Um, for example, Bernardo, great example of someone who has taken advantage of this situation. Uh, Bernardo, one of the best players in the world a couple of years ago, unfortunately hasn't been seeing that much playing time in the last season or two. But this year, he's back. He's back to being he's one of the great. best in the Prem. Um, yeah. Um, and so, I'd, say, I I'd say a key for me is that when you are on Villa and you're the best player for Villa, you know, even when Grealish was on Villa, he got a lot of attention, a lot of hype. But the scrutinization on each performance individually was not there. So he could afford to have games where he was below his lofty standards and people wouldn't call him out on it. But when you become the $100 million signing and you're on the best or one of the best teams in not only your country but in the world, then the spotlight's on you and you have to start performing every single game. So I think that Grealish is, right now, we can say he's not performing every single game. And he looks bright. He does what he does. You know, he does good dribbling and uh, gets fouled a lot and stuff like that. But he's just... I think very justifiably, I think he's playing the same way that he did at Villa. It's just that people are now calling him out for the games where he just kind of melts in two and he doesn't stand out of. And, and it I takes think time that, to adapt. yeah, it does take time to adapt, especially to the city system that is very difficult to integrate yourself into, um, especially when there's so much competition in the city squad and the attacking lines. But yeah, I mean, I think also, I don't know if, I don't, I don't foresee him being that, like, that guy for City that, like, De Bruyne and that Sterling has been, you know, even Sterling has kind of fallen off for, for City recently. This just speaks to their amount of incredible depth that they have that Pep can be so ruthless. If you're not on the top of your game, you're just not, simply not going to play. Yeah. I I'm going to predict... Just for fun, the opposite of you. I'm going to say that he is going to find his feet at some point. I think we're going to see a, a good player <clears throat> maybe in the next few months, maybe towards the end of the season. Who knows? I think he'll, he's, he'll find his feet eventually. I said he, there's Because Pep seems to have this thing as well where, I mean, you think about, we're talking about Bernardo, you know? He was struggling. No one ever thought he would be, you know, getting back to the top. It's Bernardo. I mean, he hasn't really been playing that much. He hasn't been that important of a part of the team. Um, all of a sudden, he's the man. Um, same thing, think about John Stones. He fell off and we didn't ever think we we're going to see him again. And then he came yeah. back last season with, and, uh, you know, who knows where he is right now. Also, he's having some, some issues with injuries and other things this season, but he came back with a bang. Sterling was the man. He was not the man. He was the man. He's not the man. He's kind of going up and down, but, uh, <laughs> Pep, my point is that, that even players who seem to be struggling, Pep usually finds a way to at least to, to get them back at least for some point or at least for some time. And so I think he's going to find a way to, to get the best out of Grealish if he stays, if Pep and Grealish stay at City. But even you look at Sancho at United, it's taken him a while to to settle in. And it's just now that we're starting to see, you know, some of the promise that he has. So it's easier to set. Yeah, me- I would say that, um, yeah, I was going to point out the fact that there were two big name and big money English wingers that joined that traveled to Manchester this year. And I'd say both of them so far have a little bit under underwhelmed, um, but yeah. they both have obviously a lot of talent and a lot of potential to, to live up to those high expectations because they are bought for that money for a reason. And we've both, and we've all seen them do amazing things. And 
I just don't. I also like don't understand. I don't see. I I if it doesn't work out for Grealish at City, I don't know where he could go, because he's going to be very expensive for, to any team buying him just based on the name brand and he's English, and the fact that he's English and I don't really foresee him moving to a team elsewhere in Europe, um, and I don't foresee. I I don't see like Chelsea or Liverpool or United. I don't see City wanting to sell him to to one of those teams, and I don't see one of those teams having the finances to justify that deal. So I don't I don't know. I think it really has to work out for him here. Like this is that one make it or break it move for for Grealish, or else you can see him kind of getting buried for a few years and then leaving quietly and going maybe going back to Villa when he's older. But you know, um, it's definitely the jury still on on him. He's only been on, on the team for a few months, so. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it's it's crazy to think that City have these hundred million dollar signings sitting on the bench, but that's the world we live in. Unfortunately, yeah, but maybe fortunately, we'll see. You know, if it doesn't work out, then he'll get to move on because he's a talented player. But like you said, we don't know where. But yeah, we might be jumping the gun, I guess, if we're talking about him moving on. We'll give him at least give him the first season to see how he how he does. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the Chelsea-Leeds game. I think we mentioned it earlier, but uh, Chelsea won on a penalty kick by Jorginho, and they also had another penalty kick earlier in the game. Um, Craig, you you mentioned this earlier, but this was a controversial game and a controversial goal at the end, but this is one of those games, kind of like the Liverpool versus Wolves, uh, Origi late winner. This is one of those games where... Like this is the type of game that a champion quality team wins, right? Yeah, one hundred percent. And honestly, I I don't know about the goal at the end. For me, the goal at the end was fine. I mean, it's a ridiculous tackle or a ridiculous decision by who was it? Uh, click, click, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like I mean, Rudiger's at the edge of the box in the box. Facing away from goal, it's center back and just receiving the, a bouncing ball. He's barely, he's not even, he, he's struggling to even like settle it and then play it back to his teammate. There's no reason to kick him for no, it's just, it's and it's a foul anywhere else in the field if you kick someone from behind, so it should be a foul in the box. So I think that, you know, that leads only have click and themselves to blame. And I think that the referee, he gave the referee no choice. You can argue whether Rudiger should have gone down, blah, blah, blah. But I mean, I think any player in the world, if you get, in the box, if you get kicked for no reason from the back, you you go down. Um, why would you? Yeah. So fair play to Rudiger. By the way, Rudiger won both penalties. So fair play to him. Got me got me nine points on my on my fantasy. Um, oh my gosh! The big big center back getting up into the box. The first penalty. I don't know. I'm a little bit suspicious of that one because I know the tackle looks maybe a little bit wild, but. I think he he gets the ball clearly, and I it looked like a good solid tackle to me. I, I don't know what were your thoughts. That was Rafinha's tackle on on Rudiger. And, and, and yeah, the I mean, he gets he gets I him as that, well, but after the ball, I think that yeah, it's one of those that's once because if I remember correctly, the referee didn't give it initially, and then VAR yeah awarded him the penalty right. So I, yeah, this is one of those that's what made it even worse where, for me. Yeah. yeah. To my understanding, and you know, we had these issues with VAR, especially last year. I think it's been less of a story this year, but VAR um, has been pretty controversial. 
uh, since this institution into the Premier League. But I thought that VAR was only correcting clear and obvious errors. And I don't think that since the referee on the pitch when the tackle happened didn't give the penalty, I don't think that you. it was clear and obvious that that was a pen. I think it if the referee had thought that was a pen initially, then okay, you know, you go and you 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 over you upheld that and it was pretty 50-50 to me and I could have seen it bouncing either way but I think that in that situation you kind of just have to stick with the the call on the field um but yeah I think that Lee's can feel a little bit hard done by by that decision um and but, but to be fair I mean they had their own <laughs> there was three penalties total in that game and one of them was for Leeds too so um pretty pretty crazy game and we also saw a scuffle at the end uh and Leeds season continues to slip through their fingers yeah i mean at this point they're fighting to avoid relegation this season because we're halfway through and they only have 16 points so um yeah i mean forget about we were talking about finishing in europe we both had them i think finishing or close to finishing in europe like top 10 of the league yeah we definitely Um, both had them in the top half, and that does not seem like it's going to happen this year. Yeah, I mean, forget about top half. They need to they need to make sure they don't get relegated. I think unless they do something drastic, we're going to see them finishing in this, you know, 15, 16, 17th place. Because you look at the teams above them, I mean, Palace is 14th, and we know Palace have had some bright performances under Patrick Vieira, so they have a lot of talent, a lot of promise. Palace, Everton, Villa, Brighton, Brentford, Wolves, Leicester, Tottenham, and then we're into the, the big names. And you don't really see Leeds having a better rest of the season than any of those teams, including Palace. Um, so, yeah. Right now, I mean, I think that I uh, a lot of the defensive um, shortcomings that have been documented, but I think overcome by Bielsa, by their ability to score goals, is just kind of catching up with them. They yeah. currently have conceded 25 goals in the league and only scored 17. So, um they're up there in terms of goals conceded, and yeah, I mean they're they're still they're still five points ahead of Burnley in who are the highest remaining relegated team in 18th right now, and I think they should be okay, especially given how poor some of the teams below them are. I think they're clearly still better than most of those teams: um, Southampton, Newcastle, Watford, Burnley, and. Uh, Norwich, I think they're better than all of those teams. And I don't expect them. I would be very surprised to see Leeds go down. But definitely a disappointing season. And we saw this um, with Sheffield. Uh, I guess when they were surprisingly good. I think they finished in the top half of the table their first year in the Prem. And then they saw a, a big regression in the second year. And now they're in the championship. So um, hopefully that doesn't happen to Leeds. You know, I think that it was quite the story to see them come up. And, and I hope to see them stay up because they're a fun team to watch and fun team to to, yeah. uh, to play against. The, their games are always crazy. Yep, <clears throat> I agree. All right, I think that covers all our games. Um, yeah, or all all of our the matches. Well, since, I, since I stole your your who am I guy, I think maybe we could just call it here and uh, yeah. <clears throat> wrap it up. And then next time we talk, we will maybe be in person because we will both be traveling home for the Christmas holiday and we'll get a, maybe an in-person 
in-person recording session in and we can do some um some predictions for the champions league knockout stages and it'll be a great time let's do it all right talk to you later guys next time